truth that uh, Jesus is coming again in all of his glory and he is coming soon and that means we need to pick up the intensity and the urgency by which we serve him do his kingdom work and that involves gathering uh, with his people discipling one another and then going out into this world on mission for Christ if we truly believe Jesus is coming and he's coming soon that day as it approaches we need to more fervently uh, more fervently seek to do his will and that's what we are desiring to do by being here today and by opening up his word I encourage you to do that with me this morning to the book of Isaiah we'll be in chapter 55 today Isaiah 55 as we think about the activity of the world have you ever forgotten something that was very important and it caused some dire consequences for you I remember one particular time when I was at the University of Kentucky I came into one of my political science classes I arrived there a few minutes early and so I listening to my headphones and I was just relaxing and, and chilling out just waiting for the class to start and I looked around me I noticed everybody had books opened and everybody was frantically shifting through their notes and I remember the first thing I thought was wow that's ironic all these other people in class must have exams in other classes today and then suddenly panic struck me and I realized wait a minute they're not studying for other classes there's an exam in this class today See, the problem was I had missed the class prior to that when the teacher had reminded everybody. And just because I'd forgotten it was test day didn't mean that I was exempt from taking the exam. And I had to take it anyway. We have begun a sermon series on the doctrine of Scripture called Thus Saith the Lord. So we've talked about the importance and, and how crucial it is that we as God's people have a proper understanding of the Bible and what it is and what it does and we see time and time again that people forget the necessity of God's Word. And if we are honest with ourselves and one another today, oftentimes we forget how necessary that Scripture is. And like forgetting an exam, it carries negative consequences, but these consequences are a lot more dire. The spiritual effect it has on us as we neglect the Word of God so what are we to do? I believe we need to receive the forgiveness and God's blessings that he has for us. And we do that only by returning to his word. You see, God longs to forgive you. And he longs to bless you. But he will never do that in contradiction to his word. We must return once again to the word of God to receive these blessings and his forgiveness of our sins. I want to encourage you to stand if you're able at this time. I'll be reading from the book of Isaiah, chapter 55, starting at verse 1. And here the prophet Isaiah writes these words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen, that you may live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, according to the faithful mercies shown to David. Behold, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you will call a nation you do not know, and a nation which knows you not, 
will run to you because of the Lord your God, even the Holy One of Israel, for He has glorified you. Let's pray together. Father, we come today into Your presence with a sense of humility, God, knowing that we do not deserve to stand before a holy God. But Lord, You have called us to do so, and the only way in which we are able to stand is by Your grace, through the ministry of Jesus Christ, Your Son. Through His shed blood, through His resurrection, and through faith in Him, God, we find redemption, and we find a relationship with You. And Lord, we've also come today humbly before Your Word, believing that, God, You have spoken through the prophet Isaiah. These are Your words, God, and because it is Your Word, it is true and trustworthy, and it is powerful, and it is effective. And so, God, we pray today that You would speak to us so that we might hear and we might obey. And Lord, we pray that Your Spirit would touch all hearts, drawing everyone into a relationship with you through faith, through, through faith in Christ. We pray these things in his blessed name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As we are working our way through this sermon series, we have come to the prophet Isaiah this morning. He is a, a prophet that ministered in the, the years uh, 700s uh, B.C., so seven centuries before Christ was born. The prophet Isaiah wrote, and he, he wrote during a time of great political turmoil. There was some uncertainty regarding the nations around which Judah lived, and, and there was a lot of upheaval spiritually in the land, and the reason why is because there was also great spiritual turmoil. The folks had turned their back on God. They had forsaken God's Word, and because of that, God was causing and allowing these problems to come into their lives so that he might grab their attention and you see the prophet Isaiah prophesied about a coming judgment because the nation had forsaken God's word God was going to bring judgment on that nation but that would not be the end of the story you see because after the judgment God promised to once again deliver his people he would deliver them as they once again turned their focus back on his holy word and as we read this and understand this, we can see a lot of parallels into our culture today. We are a people that have turned our back on the Word of God. We, had, we have forsaken the revelation of the Lord, and because of this, God's judgment is being poured out, I believe, on our nation. And as we continue our downward spiral politically and, more importantly, spiritually, we need to understand the only way the only way we will ever receive God's blessings as a people, as a church, as Christians, is by returning to His Word. There are some vital lessons from Isaiah for us today regarding the Word of God. First of all, you need to take in the Lord's Word. We need to take in the Lord's Word. You see, God speaks, and He offers His blessings to all, but that's contingent upon us actually listening to what God is saying first thing we see in verse 1 is his free invitation. His free invitation. Hey! Got everybody's attention, didn't I? That's exactly what Isaiah does in verse 1. He starts out with that word, Ho! Hey! It's like a, a street merchant calling out to those passing by. He's wanting to grab their attention. He's got something he feels like is important for them to hear. 
There's also a, a tinge of, of pity in this call. He is calling out to those who are desperate. And he has exactly what it is that they are longing for. His free invitation. He says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to me. Everyone. That means that all who have this need are welcome to receive this. Everyone who is thirsting. The word thirst there means you cannot satisfy your longing, your craving. It's like when you go to Cracker Barrel and you get Uncle Herschel's breakfast and you get the country ham. And it's so good when you eat it, but then the rest of the day, what are you, you're, you're thirsty, aren't you? You just can't satisfy that thirst. You see, spiritually, we all have this thirst. We cannot satisfy. And, and God is calling out, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. The waters that will satisfy our thirst. He says, come. The implication of that is that you are not yet in the place where you need to be to find the satisfaction. You are somewhere else. You need to come to God. As he issues that invitation, come to Him. It's a plural command. That means it's a universal call. Everyone who thirsts, it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what you've done, everyone come to the waters. The word come, there's also a command. That means to not come to the Lord for satisfaction is to disobey the command of God. We call that sin. To not come to God to find satisfaction for your soul is sin. You are compounding your, your thirst. It's like you're drinking ocean water trying to alleviate your thirst. Come to the Lord and be satisfied. You come to God and He offers to you water. He offers to you wine and milk. These things are spiritual refreshments, enjoyments, nourishments. God offers all these things to you spiritually if you would come. And He says, best of all, you come, even though you have no money, come and buy without money, without cost. We are to come to God. That means He is gracious. How can God offer to us something that will satisfy us without it costing anything? It doesn't cost anything to us. It is free to you. And the reason why it is free to you is because the price has already been paid. You see, there was a cost involved. And the servant of God, the Messiah, paid that cost. Back in chapter 53, verses 4 through 6, Isaiah mentions this about the suffering servant. He says, Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourgings we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. You see, there was a high price to pay for this spiritual refreshment. And Jesus paid it all. We read this in John chapter 4, verse 14. Jesus says, But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. 
And again in Revelation 21.6, he says, Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. We have a free invitation. Free to us because Jesus paid the price. Come to the Lord and find satisfaction for your soul. Yet we also see in verse 2 our foolish inclination. Even though God is offering us something that will satisfy us, we are choosing something else. He starts off by asking the question, Why? Why do you? Why do you spend money for what is not bread? And your wages for what does not satisfy? Why do you spend your money, your wages? Wages is something you, what you earn, you work for. It's your paycheck. You've toiled and you've labored hard for a paycheck, and then you go out and you spend it on something that will not satisfy. You are wasting what you have strived for. And he says, why do you spend your money and your wages on what is not bread? Trying to find satisfaction in anything else other than God is idolatry. We say, well, I don't bow down to statues and graven images, but do you have idols in your life? When your soul needs satisfaction, do you go trying to find meaning and purpose in other things? Do you turn to substances? Alcohol, prescription pills, heroin. Do you turn to food to try to find comfort? Do you look to relationships with others in order to bring satisfaction into your life? Wealth power, religion. Are you seeking to satisfy the craving of your soul and the thirsting of your soul through these other things, through hours and hours of, of, of mindless entertainment on the television, athletic pursuits, whatever the case may be. These things can be well and good, some of these on their own, but if they are taking the place of God in your life and you're trying to find your ultimate purpose in pursuing these other things, you are spending your hard-earned effort and money on something that is not bread. It will not, it cannot, it does not satisfy you spiritually. It is foolish. It is foolish. J.C. Ryle once said, Never are men's hearts in such a hopeless condition as when they are not sensible of their own sins. You see, we're quick to look at the sins of others without realizing our own sins. We are pursuing not bread. We are wasting away while God is offering us something that will satisfy us truly. In verse 2, he says, Listen carefully to me. Listen carefully. He says, I can't say this with any more urgency. Listen carefully to me. Listen and eat. Eat what is good. And delight yourself in abundance. God wants you to eat. God wants you to, to delight yourself in abundance. But only if you listen to Him. You see, there's, there's the key. We find satisfaction in our souls only when we hear the Word of God and we come to the Word of God. To neglect the Word of God and pursue other things is foolish. It's foolish. 
We come to the Lord, we accept His free invitation because He has a faithful intention for us. He intends to do something in our lives and something in our hearts, something for our good, for our benefit. Verse 3, He says, Listen, incline your ear and come to Me. Listen that you may live. Incline your ear and listen. He's calling for you to come to Him that you may live. You live only when you come to Him. You will come to Him only when you listen to His call. God has spoken and He is is calling out to you to come to Him so that you will live to neglect the call of God. It's not only foolish, it's death. It's death. Incline your ear, come to Me, listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, an everlasting promise to you according to the faithful mercies shown to David. An everlasting covenant shown to David. It reminds us of the promise God made to David in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 and 13. It says, When your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendant after you who will come forth from you, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. You see, God was promising David that through his descendants he would send a Messiah, one whose kingdom would be an everlasting kingdom. It's a prophecy of the coming of Christ. You see, we have this faithful intention of God to establish a covenant with us through David's descendant, through Jesus. A faithful covenant. The word faithful there, we get the the word hesed that we've studied before in Hebrew that that means a, a covenant promise. God cannot break His promise. He is a trustworthy, faithful God and He is entering into this covenant based upon His faithfulness to you. If we come to Him, we listen to His call, we come to Him and receive those promises that we have through Christ, through the Messiah, an everlasting covenant. You see, God has initiated a rescue plan for us. He says, I will make an everlasting covenant with you, not the other way around. We don't come to God and establish a covenant with God. God has already done that on our behalf. God has done for us what we could not do on our own. God says, I've established this covenant. Come to me. Enter into my covenant with you. My faithful covenant. Aren't you glad your relationship with God is not based upon strictly your faithfulness to Him, but His faithfulness to you? It says in verse 4, speaking of this descendant of David, this Messiah, Behold, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a, a verbal witness. Christ has come to declare God's word to the people, to all people, to all nations. God has initiated this because people need to hear this call, this witness. I've made him a witness and a leader and a commander to the peoples. Behold, you will call a nation you do not know and a nation which knows you not. In other words, there's no prior relationship with these other peoples. He says, even though that is the case, you will call to them in Christ. And here's the promise, they will run to you. They will run to you. That's the confidence we have in evangelism, in missions, that when we issue that call 
through Christ on behalf of God for people to come and to drink and to be satisfied. You issue that call and people will come. Believe it or not, people will hear and accept that invitation. God has promised that. Maybe not everyone, but there will be some. Says these nations, even though they don't know you and you do not know them, you issue that call in Christ and they will come. They will run. That's the certainty of their response. And he says, because of the Lord your God. Not because of your creativity, not because of your winsomeness and, and your ability to share truth and, and persuade individuals. It's because of the Lord your God even the Holy One of Israel, for He has glorified you. God has given His glory to Christ Jesus, His Son. Therefore, people will come. God's faithful intention. When Nancy and I got married, we took our honeymoon, uh, we, we took a cruise down to the Bahamas for our honeymoon, and neither one of us had been out of the country except for Canada, and that really doesn't count. And so we were excited to go to some place we'd never been before, and we got off the boat and went walking around there in the town and it's like you couldn't walk five steps without street vendors there you know they were trying to sell you things and always offering to braid your hair of course they weren't talking to me i didn't have hair then either you know but they were they're constantly pushing and trying to sell these things and you see we didn't have any extra money to buy anything we had scraped together all we could just to take this honeymoon and so we were there, and they were offering, and I mean, just kept trying to sell and push you stuff. Finally, we got frustrated with it all and said, you know what, let's just go back to the boat. And we couldn't buy anything even if we wanted to. How much different would it have been if those street vendors had been there offering goods to you free of cost? Saying, here, we've got this for you. Take it, take it, it's yours. It sometimes seems too good to be true that God would offer us something that wouldn't cost us anything. See, that's not exactly the full truth. It did cost something. It cost Christ Jesus his life. It cost him his blood as it was shed on the cross. Salvation is free to us because Jesus paid it all. We need to take in the Lord's word. And when we do, we see this invitation that God issues to us all. Take in the Lord's word. Secondly, turn to the Lord's word. You will never take in God's Word and accept His invitation unless you turn to His Word and realize you need to do a spiritual about-face. We see two sides of the same coin. We see the need for faith and the need for repentance. You cannot be saved without faith. First of all, faith is required. Verse 6, Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Seek and call upon the Lord. To seek is, is a pursuit. To call upon Him is to humble yourself. So seeking God, calling upon Him is a humble pursuit for God to do something you cannot do for yourself. You need the Lord. You need to pursue God. And these words are also commands. To seek, call upon Him. Not to do so is sin. Not to pursue God. Not to acknowledge your need for Him is sin. Faith is required trusting that God is worth the pursuit. But also forsaking is required in verse 7. Let the wicked forsake his way, the unrighteous man his thoughts. The wicked forsake his way. That's your way of life. That's, that's your lifestyle. 
You need to change the course of your life. This is the the outer appearance, the things that you do. Your actions need to change. But also, he says, the unrighteous man, his thoughts. That means your your inner inclinations. You need to forsake your inner desires. Mankind, we have total depravity. We're, We're wicked on the outside. We're unrighteous on the inside. We have no hope apart from Christ. And we need to change that. We need to, to put our faith in God. And we, we put our faith in God, we also turn from our sin. You see, you're either, you're either moving towards Jesus or you're moving towards sin. If you're moving towards Jesus, that's faith. You're not moving towards sin, that's repentance. We need to trust in the Lord. We need to turn from our sins. Repentance from our actions and our inclinations. God's Word shows us we need to do that. And when we do, the promise is this, forgiveness is received. Verse 7, he says, Let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. When, when we turn from our sin, we put our faith in Christ, we receive forgiveness, compassion, and mercy. Lord, have mercy. Sometimes we say that thing is, God wants to give you His mercy if you'll return to Him. Turn your back on your sinful inclinations, your, your pursuits of other things that are not God. And seek the Lord. Call upon Him. Turn to Him. He will abundantly pardon, not just pardon, but abundantly all your sin, all your unrighteousness, all your wickedness. God will remove it all from you you'll accept his invitation and come to him return to our God one of the neat things about living out in the country here is trying to give people directions and it's interesting because sometimes you'll, you'll go to give people directions and they'll say that's okay I've, I've got my GPS and I chuckle because I know GPS has steered so many people wrong when it comes to uh, arriving out here you see you sometimes they'll call and say well I'm going this way and I'm like well that's not the way you need to go you need to stop going that way turn around and come this way that's repentance you're moving in one direction you're moving towards not bread and God says no come and find bread you're moving towards something that will not satisfy and God says no turn from that turn to me I alone can satisfy you you need to turn back to Christ Turn to the Lord's Word. Why do we turn to the Lord's Word? Because, number three, we need to trust in the Lord's Word. God is trustworthy. We need to understand God's character, understand God's desire, what He wants to do in your life. His ways, first of all, verse 8 and 9, we see His ways are perfect. His ways are perfect. And and He contrasts man's ways and man's thoughts. We see that in verse 7, forsake His way. And the unrighteous man, his thoughts. The reason why we need to turn from our ways and our thoughts, verse 8, 4, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. There is something different about mankind's ways and thoughts than God's ways and thoughts. Why is God's ways different? Verse 9 answers that. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. The reason why we need to repent is because our ways and our thoughts are not God's. God's ways and thoughts are higher than ours. God's ways and thoughts are holy and righteous, and our ways are not. Our thoughts are not. 
And the reason why we need to turn from that and turn towards God is because our ways don't match His. And God is a just God. And sin must be punished. A refusal to turn from our sin and turn towards Christ means we will receive the just punishment that we deserve because our ways and thoughts are not God's. Our ways and thoughts are not holy as His. His ways are perfect. Therefore, we need repentance. But when we turn to the Lord's Word, we find His Word is powerful. His Word's powerful. He gives the image of, of rain and snow coming from heaven and the effects that it, that it gives. Verse 10, For as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout and furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, you see, when it rains, it has a positive effect. In verse 11, So too, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire, without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. As the rain comes from above, so too the word of God comes down to us from heaven. And so as, as the rain causes a, a positive effect and causes growth, so too does the word of God as it comes from the mouth of God Himself. All Scripture, as we've looked at already, 2 Timothy 3.16, all Scripture is God-breathed. If the Word comes from His mouth, it is powerful. It must be powerful. It is effective. If we want to see faith and repentance, we want to see our souls get saved and others get saved, we need the Word of God. It has the power to do these things. We cannot do. But the Word can his word accomplishes his purposes. His purposes are to save. But you see, his word, his word is issued to come to him for satisfaction. If we do so, we'll be saved. If we don't do, we're what? We're condemned. His word accomplishes his purpose. Either way, either through salvation or through judgment, God's word accomplishes its purposes. If we heed and follow, if we reject, either way, His Word accomplishes His purpose. His glory in salvation, His glory also in judgment. Gardens need water for growth. We've had a lot of rain lately. That's a good thing. Sinners need His Word. Likewise, if we're going to have growth, and that's the power of His Word, it will bring that. Finally, we are to triumph by the Lord's Word. Triumph, ultimate victory, is achieved only by embracing the truth of His Word. You see, we are rejoicing in verse 12, rejoicing for His favor. He says, For you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace, accepting His invitation, accepting His Word. It brings about results. First of all, the nations will be redeemed. Nations will be redeemed. He said, you will go out. That's the image there we remember in the book of Exodus. The, the Hebrews were enslaved in Egypt. And God, through Moses the Deliverer, brought about the exodus, the deliverance from slavery. So too, in Christ, our Deliverer, we are brought uh, from the, 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 the imprisonment of sin. We are set free. An exodus from sin. Through Christ, that is accomplished in His Word. We see we will go out, we'll be led forth, led forth by our leader, by our, our, our mighty King, Jesus. 
You'll go out with joy. You'll be led forward with peace, joy and peace. These are two of what? The fruit of the Spirit. Paul says when we put our faith in Christ and we are filled with the Holy Spirit, it, it, he manifests himself in certain traits and, and certain evidences and joy and peace are that. We come to Christ, we are saved, we are redeemed, we are filled with the Spirit of God. We rejoice in that. We are redeemed in Christ. The evidence is shown through the Spirit. But not only will nations and people be redeemed, also nature will be redeemed. Nature, he says, the mountains and the hills. These things that were obstacles in our pathway, those things are no longer obstacles, but they join in the praise. The mountains and the hills will break forth into shouts of joy before you. The trees of the field will clap their hands. You see, Paul tells us in Romans 8 that all creation... All creation is under the curse of sin. All creation groans for the day. It too will be set free from this bondage of sin. That will only happen when Christ returns and humanity is, is freed from this curse of sin. And as creation fell under Adam, as Adam is redeemed, so too creation is redeemed also in Christ. The cosmic ramifications of what Jesus did are far-reaching. It goes beyond just mankind, but creation itself will be transformed back into paradise. No longer hostile to man, but working in harmony with mankind. Nations and nature will be redeemed. There is rejoicing for His favor, but there's also remembering of His favor in verse 13. He says, instead of the thorn bush and the cypress, instead of the, the thorn bush, the cypress will come up. Instead of the nettle, the myrtle, the nettle, the myrtle will come up. These useless trees are replaced by noble trees. And He says, they will come up. There's a promise. They will come up. The inclination there, the idea, is that this will happen suddenly. They will come up. They will come up. They will be transformed. And when they do, he says, it will be a memorial to the Lord. This transformation of the desert wasteland, this, this redemption of creation itself, will live as a memorial to the Lord, a, a monument to, to the Lord and to His work for an everlasting sign which will not be cut off. As, as creation is transformed, it will be an everlasting reminder to us of the faithfulness of Christ the power of His redemption, the promise of God fulfilled in the Lord, a permanent reminder of the glorious work of Christ. You see, these blessings come. The forgiveness of sin comes only when we return to the, to the Word of the Lord. See, God has spoken. He has offered an invitation. It's free. Come to me. Be satisfied. Come to me. Find nourishment. Come to me. Find refreshments. Come to me and find satisfaction. That every longing, every need that you have in your soul and your life can be fulfilled if you come to the Lord. He has issued that call through His Word. It is through His Word. Through His Word that we are redeemed. We mentioned earlier it is Memorial Day and this is time of year we remember the price that was paid to ensure our freedom for the Christian every day should be Memorial Day as we too remember the price that was paid to ensure our freedom from sin 
the price that was paid by Jesus on the cross. He gave his life so that we might live. As he bore the penalty of your punishment so that you might be forgiven. As he accepted the burden of your sin so that you might be freed. Every day should be Memorial Day and we see in glory when not only we are redeemed and transformed, but so too all of creation is redeemed and transformed, an everlasting memorial. Every day should be Memorial Day. Every day will be Memorial Day when Christ returns. Redeemed creation. Eternal memorial. Because the truth of the matter is this. His revelation... The fact God has spoken, His revelation results in restoration. That's the power of His Word. That's the activity of the Word of God. As God speaks, creation happens. As God speaks, what is old becomes new. As God speaks, radical change takes place. And through the revelation of His Word, restoration of our soul takes place. We are saved because God has spoken. Will you listen? Will you come? Will you buy? Will you eat? And will you be satisfied in Christ, in Christ alone? Let's pray together. Father, we are reminded once again of your grace, of your mercy, that you are a God who loves, you are a God who speaks. A God who has revealed yourself to us. A, a God who has revealed our issue, our, our problem. Our problem is sin and rebellion. But also revealed to us, you have paid the price so that we might be forgiven. You have revealed to us that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one will come to you unless we come through him. We come to the waters and we drink the water of life that Jesus alone provides. Father, we thank you for your word that has promised this transformation, this word that offers this invitation if we will accept it, God, by faith and through repentance, if we will accept it, God, you will extend your mercy and your pardon so that we might be saved and so that we might be sanctified and made holy by your grace. Father, in this time of decision, we pray that you would move. Holy Spirit, speak to hearts. Reveal the need that we have for Christ. Reveal the need that we have to turn from our idols, whatever our idols are, that we would turn from them, forsake them utterly, and embrace Jesus and find our blessing that you intend to give us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.